Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Robbie Knox and I'm the landlord of the Moon Underwater, a mystical place where guests create their dream pub. Welcome back to the Moon Underwater where we are with Hollywood hotshot film director John Baird. Sorry, I'm trying not to laugh here. <laughs> Creating his dream pub. Uh, before the uh, little interval, Dan was giving us his pub quiz questions and now it's time for the answers. Dan, take it away. Yes, yeah, so this is a badly described film plot. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's descriptions rather than questions this week. But the first one was uh, a young sadist repeatedly tortures two men before celebrating Christmas with his family. Any ideas of that one, John? Got to be Home Alone, yeah. right? Home Alone, Robbie? Yeah. That's correct. Nice, easy one. Just yeah, to, yeah, 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 yeah. But I was nervous, though. I was yeah. nervous. Yeah. I was nervous. Yeah. Is this like University Challenge? It's yeah. exactly it's like it, similar. yeah. Um, number two. A boy has to try and stop the authorities taking his favourite pet away after it gets drunk and pretends to be a ghost. You know it, Robbie? I know it. No, best was called E.T. Yeah, E.T. Got to be. Yeah, yeah, got to be. Yep. I suppose it does pretend to be a ghost. Yeah, okay. Okay, good. He does get drunk. Okay. Yep. Elliot gets uh, drunk as well in the classroom in because of his connection with E.T. Yeah. I find it really... Yeah, is that not when the frogs are all the yeah, as well? Yeah, yeah. I find yeah. it really upsetting, that film, when I was a kid. Yeah. I remember crying. Oh, it's one of the first... Absolutely. One of the first things I ever saw in the cinema uh, was E.T. And remember, like, the town I grew up in, Peterhead, had this... Old cinema, it's not longer there. It's no longer there, and um, and yeah, like it, like it's quite a tough town, you know, quite a tough sort of town on the northeast coast of Scotland, and fucking people bawling their eyes yeah, out. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And it's like, oh, this is a bit unusual. I feel like a lot of things. That, I presume it was a U. It was, yeah, yeah. A was lot of things U? that we uh, use back there. I don't think would be would be used now. Now, I it was the very first bootleg VHS. That we, oh, really? that we ever got like because uh, I can remember watching when I was really young and it was only when I got older and I thought well watch that how, how do we watch that home it hadn't been on it wasn't on telly for like four or five years yeah. later and then That's I asked cool, my mate. dad I was like how did that happen I said oh there was a bootleg one it just went all around the all village around, everyone yeah. just shared it yeah and I've got the most vivid memory of just being in floods of tears and looking leaning on the side of the sofa and the so- side of the sofa being 
just soaked with soaked, tears. Really? Yeah, wow. yeah. I've got such a vivid memory wow. of it. I would yeah, have been it is. About it's quite. Six quick. or seven. It's, it's, it's hard. Have you ever seen the audition, Elliot's audition? Oh, yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? No. Where, have yeah. you ever seen it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always, it's it pops YouTube, up on Twitter and in, in YouTube and that quite a lot. And it's basically a kid goes in and they've seen thousands of kids for this part. It's obviously the lead part. Yeah, and you do that. And um, he gives this performance, yeah? And it is jaw-dropping right and at the end of it you hear Spielberg off camera going just it takes a couple of bits so the, the kid stops and he's crying right and you, there's a couple of seconds and you hear Spielberg going you got the role kid right? no. it's, it, it's unreal isn't it it's unreal it's, it's so honestly good. you should see it you should yeah. see it man and the kid is crying and he's right into it and it, it's a bit about I think he's protesting somebody taking E.T. away or something. It's a real emotional beat in the Ooh. film, yeah. But you should look at it. It's amazing, oh, yeah. Was it like auditioning actors? I love it. Know, I love it. It's one, it's one of the... Casting is one of the most fun parts is because <clears throat> it's like a, it's like being a kid. I can only describe it as being a kid because everything is possible. When you've got a script and you don't have locations, you don't have anything, but you're everything's coming together, right? You don't have the pressures of being on set and like things fucking breaking down and people misbehave and all that kind of stuff. It's all, it's all the sort of it's very positive vibes and it's and it's and it's you're you're, it's a very creative thing. The only bad thing about it is is when you know that somebody's not right within two seconds and you've got to wait for like ten minutes for them to finish and you're. And they know they're not right, and you know they're not right, mm. and you're just like, oh god, you know. Yeah. It's like it's like speed dating. Yeah. It's not like speed dating yeah. at all. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. but I love it. I absolutely love casting process. You know the audition yeah. process. I love it. It's it's changed a lot recently because you used to do a lot of it in on in person. Yeah. And now because of COVID. They got into the routine of doing it on, you know, through Zoom, and a lot of it is now carried on through that, you know. Mm. And actors don't like our actors like to be in the room with the director yeah, and stuff. See that, yeah. And do you, you prefer know? to be in the room with the actors? I don't mind either way. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's more convenient. Like if, if I'm in, if I'm up in Scotland, if I'm abroad or whatever, and you've got like five or six people to see, and they're all, you know, around the country, it also saves the production money because they don't have to pay for the actors to come down. And all it's all that bullshit as well. I like to to meet them as well because I like to I like to have that little ch when they come in the door like before they even do the lines and stuff when they come in the door and to see how personable personable they are to the acting and to the assistant casting director right to the to the person who's just showing them from the reception mm. upstairs right yeah. so you're clocking out the whole time right what is this person going to be like when they're on set you know are they going to be nice are they going to be this that and the other you know or do they just change in front of you do they just only behave in front of you sort of thing you know so. It's good to, it's kind of good to have all that, you know, and also to get the physicality, how tall they are, what the, you know, what the presence is like in a room. Uh, sometimes you just can't do it, but I prefer it, yeah. So what, apart from being polite and nice to everyone, what things can actors do to enhance their chances of getting a role? Is it I, think they, I think they can, I think they can come... I think they can come looking as much as they can, like the part. Yeah, yeah. just put a little bit of effort in without obviously, you know, <laughs> hiring, a, hiring a costume or something. But I yeah. think, you know, making a little effort for that is always helps because 
you're not only trying to convince a director who's there, but you're trying to convince like studio executives who are not there. And, and, and a lot of the time they're very sort of like... Visual. Yeah, and they can't see past anything like that. Um, I think no, you know, not not taking yourself too seriously in a way where you are going to give off the impression you're going to be a massive pain in the arse, right? Um, know, know your lines, come in, do your thing, and listen. just listen as well. Because if you're getting notes back from your first reading and you go, <clears throat> right, I want you to do it this way, yeah? A lot of people are caught in the headlights and they panic, 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 and they've rehearsed mm. it like this. But so be adaptable, yeah? yeah. Know your lines, but be adaptable in a way where you can switch. Yeah. Because if you come in and you're just like you're totally going to do it this way, and it's not the way that they want it, you're kind of screwed in a way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's it's, and also don't be apologetic. You know, don't come in there like giving off the impression you know you're not right for this part. You know, yeah. because that's. Because some confidence, yeah, yeah, and the other thing is sometimes when people come in for an audition, they'll read it, they'll read a part away that I have never ever thought about, and I'll think that's way better than I had in mind. Mm, yeah? yeah, that's a way better take on it than I ever thought it should be, and yeah, you've totally changed my mind on what that character should be. You know, so don't be afraid to try things as well. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's amazing movies in how collaborative. It is. It is. I don't think that's the word, but no, it is. It, no, it's, it is the word. Yeah, yeah. it's collaborative. Yeah, yeah. 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 It is, and, and, and I think I think a lot a, a younger and I made this mistake as a young director. A lot of young directors feel as though that they should have the answers for everything, right? They should be guiding everything, and they should tell the actors exactly how it's done and the, how to shoot it and how to light it and how like this, that, and the other. And you got to relax, and you got to go. Listen, you, you're you're the head of a team, but. You've got to give people autonomy, and you've got to sit back, including the actors as well. Yeah. Um, I just did a movie with Brian Cranston, and 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 some of the ideas he brought to the table were just incredible, and not just like, not just dialogue stuff. Things like what was happening with props, things like what were happening with costume, and things that were happening with like the mustache he had, and the, like. And you got to be calm. I think you have to get to a place where you're confident enough to take the ideas and not be threatened by somebody else's idea. Yeah. You know, I think that's the thing because the way I would advise is the best idea wins every time, whether it comes from one of the runners or whether it comes from one of the actors or whether it comes from your director of photography. Take the best ideas because ultimately, if they're good, you're you're going to benefit from it yeah. as the director. You know, interesting. So um, ET, yeah, ET, <laughs> yeah, yeah, ET. yeah. yeah. Uh, third one: um, a man secretly enters a corporate party and embarks on a killing spree before escaping in a limo with his wife. Any ideas on that? So this could be couple. You got any well, ideas, I've, Robbie? I, mean, I literally can't. Is it True Lies? No, no, no. I was. Is it? I uh, can't even remember. Um, it's been so long since I've American seen it. American Psycho. I'm just thinking about Killing Spree. I was going to say um, Die Hard. No, Robbie's correct. Well done, Rob. Yeah, it's bad. It's badly described, obviously. No, yeah, no, no, it's, it's, good. it's good. Yeah, no, no, yeah, very it's good. good. Right, you picked the three of the five films I've ever seen. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good. I, 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 you know what? I was, I, I was in LA a couple of weeks ago, and I was across the road. I was in a meeting across the road oh, from, from the, the from the plaza. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, wow. They used for Die Hard. I was like, oh, I can recognise that villain. It's like, yeah. yes, the one from Die Hard. Yeah, he was Bruce Willis was doing. Um, Moonlighting, the TV show at the time, oh my God. and they really wanted him for the for Die Hard, and so um, 
he basically was filming moonlighting in the day and then going and filming. That's why it's all at night. Because so he, he was literally only, moonlighting. He was literally moonlighting, yeah. So that's why it's all at night because it's the only time he could film. So he was obviously he's set at night as well. But yeah, so he was doing two jobs. I mean, he was probably only sleeping about two hours a night. He is. I don't know if if, if if people haven't seen Moonlight and check like oh. dig it out. It's it was one of the most inventive, yeah. brilliant pieces of TV from the eighties. I don't know if it lasted in the nineties, but certainly in the eighties, it was so inventive and it was it was just magical. Anyway, I didn't get that, so you beat me three two. Yeah, well done, Robbie. Yeah, well done, Robbie. Doing well. That's that's bad. I'm so, form at the minute. I'm going to make sure that which university did you go to? University of East Anglia. Right. When they're next on University yeah. Challenge, Robbie Knox. Sure get on University Challenge. Robbie Knox. <laughs> Robbie Knox will be captain and them. Okay, wonderful. Let's just yeah. hope the questions are out die hard. Yeah. Uh, right. Um, John, you get two spirits for your um, Moon Underwater pub. What have you gone for? What have I gone for? First of all, I've gone for uh, a whiskey, Scottish whiskey. Very Scottish. Uh, Lagavulin, but it's a 30 year old cask strength. Yeah. And it was a it was a special bottle that I got from a dear friend of mine called Ronald Graham, uh, not long before he died, and it's it was I don't drink whiskey anymore. I don't drink spirits anymore actually, but when I did, it was like this. It was he he gave me this. So so Ronald Graham was a guy. He was a writer, yeah, and he wrote for things like The Professionals and The Sweeney and all these big oh, wow. sort of 70s mm. TV shows. He was also the mentor for Matthew Vaughan and Guy Ritchie on on, uh, on, on Lock, Stock and Snatch. He, he, he mentored them with, with his scripts. I met him actually through another contact of mine uh, and he really, he was a mentor for me on the film, on, on the film script yeah. that I wrote, you know, that eventually made it in a film. Um, he was a fabulous guy, a Scottish guy, he was a posh jock, yeah? So he was a posh Scottish guy, but fervently sort of nationalistic. It was a very strange combination, yeah? You don't usually get that. You don't usually get the sort of posher kind of Scots who are nationalistic. But anyway, he was, he's one of these guys. I think his, his mum and dad were part of the founders of the SMP and stuff. He was a terrific guy. And I got to know him later in his life, and he was coming towards his late 60s, early 70s, and me and him were about to do a documentary on uh, bare knuckle boxing, and he had shot this sixteen uh, mil footage of uh, Lenny McLean and all these guys back in the day, color stuff, right, that nobody had seen. And he'd he'd got access to this world. He'd shot all this. He didn't know what to do with it. He'd been out of the industry for quite some time, and he took it to me and said, "Do you want to do it?" I said, "Yes, this, this is amazing, right? I saw this stuff." And we'd been working on it together, and uh, he turned up one. He turned up one day at the house, and we were supposed to be having a a, a dinner, um, just talking about the documentary, what we we're going to do. And he turns up with this. He turns up with this bottle of Lagavulin, and uh, and he gave it to me, and, and and he said, "Look, I bought this as part of a, um, what do you call it when everybody gets together, like a, a like a syndicate, syndicate, right?" Um, <clears throat> And we sometimes get these, you know, bottles now and again, try some of this. And he'd written a message on it, but it was in, it was in Gaelic. Yeah. And I don't, don't understand Gaelic, so I didn't know what it meant. He said, uh, he said, don't open this yet. He says, there's a, I'll tell you why in a second. He says, don't open it just now and don't look up what, what that message what it is. Okay. I said, okay, fine. So I went out for lunch and we're having lunch and, and we're about to sort of get into the whole documentary thing. And I was just really excited. I was like, wait, I just know that. And he says, 
I've got to tell you something, I'm dying, yeah? And I said, what? He said, I'm dying. I've got motor neuron disease, right? I've just discovered it. I, I was doing press-ups and I, and, and, and I sort of, one arm sort of went and I thought, that's really weird and blah, blah, blah. And he went, got diagnosed with motor neuron disease. And anyway, Ronald died 10 months later and he, um, I, I sort of, it was at the time I was trying to write filth and, and he was sort of, Given notes in the script and and, and and doing this as he was sort of f failing basically, and um, so I watched them go in, in a most horrendous kind of way. It's a really it's a terrible it's a terrible you know conditioner. Um, but, but when he gave me the bottle, he said he he said look after he sees him he says don't open it and don't translate it until you know till I'm away and. And, it, and, I, and I did, the day he died, I sort of opened it and I poured it. It was the most incredible whiskey. And the, the translation was really something simple as, think of me when I'm gone or something. That's what it was, right? Think of me when I'm gone. Um, and I've still kept the bottle, you know, I've still kept this, uh, the, the bottle in, in, in memory. But he was, my point being that he was such a massive influence on the film that got me noticed. I did a film before, Filth, called Cass, and it was fine for a first film and stuff, but Filth was the thing that really sort of, made me sort of get bigger stuff and yeah. you know help my career on and he was such a huge influence you know and I thought that I would pick up because one it was a brilliant whiskey but two that guy had made such a you know it, you know dent in my he was such an inspiration for me you know that's why yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ronald Ronald Graham that was what it was so yeah but the best whiskey I've ever tasted by far that's an incredible story. That's an incredible story. Yeah, it's. I hope we're getting. I'm not getting too no, dark no, here, no, guys. You know, are we allowed to do this? No, yeah, totally. yeah, okay, we fine. absolutely are. And it's. It's. I find alcohol and things can be sort of quite. It's hard to explain. You sort of. It fits in quite well with sort of cycle of life and death. Something yeah. quite a lot like wakes and things like that, where yep. everyone's sort of drinking. I find it. I find it's. Something that sort of helps things along the way. Yeah, if that makes any any sense. I went up to my friend Dave, um, Dave Harper, who's the drummer in the band Frank in the Heartstrings, if you remember them. He yeah, died yeah. a couple of years ago. And I went up to his wake in in Sunderland and I went up there and got towards... I, I My first train from Norwich, wouldn't get in time for the cremation bits. I was going to meet everyone at this working men's club in Sunderland. So got walked to the building and I just kept walking, did a little lap of the block because I thought I'm not really ready to go in. And you know when you're feeling... a bit fragile and all this sort of stuff and I think there's always like a low point with these things where you feel at your lowest and I remember walking I went into the working men's club and the people from the funeral hadn't got there yet so I went into the toilet to go to the toilet and I crying feeling sad and I just slipped and what was almost certainly piss I went flying on my ass <laughs> and, and you know when you hit the ground and, you, and it's clearly hurt but you don't know whether you've broken anything you're just lying yeah. there trying, and you have to sit lie there for like 10 seconds to try and work out what am I paralyzed how bad how bad yeah. is this sort yeah. of thing I was just lying there and, oh, and I had my backpack on I had like a plug in it that got into my back and all sort of, I mean oh, I was lying there in piss on the floor of this working <laughs> events club in Sunderland <laughs> and then I just started laughing like it's yeah. not going to get worse than this. Yeah. This is the low point yeah. today. It's a good level. There's not going to be a worse <laughs> yeah. point today, no matter how sad it is, yeah. than lying in piss. In a and would he have found out funny? Oh, yeah. I loved yeah, it. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Brilliant. Yeah. 
lovely story. What do we know about Lagavulin? Lagavulin, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just that it's very good. It's not cheap. It's not cheap. No, it's probably one of the reasons why it didn't materialise on the bar. Yeah. 30-year cask strength of it as well. I mean, you're talking a good few hundred quid for a bottle of that. You know, it's a... A few thousand. A few thousand? Four to five thousand. Yeah. I'm sitting there with the empty bottle. <laughs> I'm sitting there with the empty <laughs> bottle. <laughs> I swear. I mean, I mean, you're talking. This was like, okay, this was, okay, this was 2010. Oh, okay. Yeah? So, so we're talking 13 years ago, yeah. right? I had a feeling he told me it was like 250 or something mm. like that. But obviously, yeah, looking online now, if you, if you want to buy it, buy that, it's it looks like it's four to five thousand wow. for a bottle. Yeah. What? Well, where's the bill? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, like, it's got rusty for some reason. It's all down yeah, to the yeah. uh, to the correct realm, you know. It's nothing to do with me, unfortunately. But no, that that uh, yeah, that was uh, that was why I picked that one. Yeah, a lovely. Choice, I gave up so. spirits actually six years ago, so I don't I don't drink spirits anymore. But I look back on them fondly. One more choice of a spirit. One more choice. Okay, so the next one. I don't know if you would actually class it as a. Sp- Spirit in itself because it's a mixture of a few spirits, but a cocktail. It's a cocktail, yeah. Okay, it's that's fine. Play on. Can we do it? Yeah, okay. All right. So they either call them brown cows or white Russians. Like, I tend to call them white Russians, right? But I think they're pretty much the same thing, yeah. Uh, and they're vodka, either Tia Maria or Kahlua, yeah, and milk, stroke cream. So, but the way I would make it was vodka, Tia Maria, and and. And milk, but Dan, you're about to tell me what the real. No, no, I think it's. Uh, well, I think there's different, slightly different ones. Like yeah, Kahlua instead of Timor, I think, yeah, and yeah. Um, yeah, cream. I mean, liquor.com says uh, serving it on the rocks creates a delicious alternative to adult milkshakes. Yeah. Well, it's exactly it's yeah, like, and there's a reason behind. It. And 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 I'm a very good segue because we haven't actually discussed where I'm going with this, but all my stories seem to be about me being really unwell and then and then something <laughs> happened because either drink or, or the drink like but so I did this movie called Filth right James McAvoy it was based on Erwin Welsh novel, great film. blah 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 great film thank you but, um, so we were we'd been shooting at and it was an absolute like journey to make that film because we didn't have the money the crew weren't getting paid the crew, like we had shot four weeks in Scotland and then we went to Belgium for two weeks and then we had Sweden in a week and we're Germany and the Scottish crew were just going insane, right? They were just, once, we're in Glasgow for four weeks, they were totally well behaved. As soon as they, they went away to, to Belgium, it was just <laughs> absolutely nuts. It was the best time ever, right? It was really great fun. And um, it was it was, a, it was a, just a calamitous kind of, it was a calamitous uh, set, but we were missing, we had started shooting this movie, and I don't know why we did this, but we were a million dollars short of the budget, right? So the whole thing could have collapsed at any second. We're still looking for the finance to save us. And our knight in shining armor, or our, or our damsel in shining, whatever. Our knight in shining, okay, no. Yeah. Our knight in shining armor was a woman, right? There you go, right? Okay, so there you go. Um, and uh, it was Sting's wife, Trudy Styler. Yeah. yeah? Who is now a a good friend of mine and and, and I love her to death, you know. And uh, she came in with the missing money. She was like, "I believe in this film. We're gonna do this, right?" So, anyway, <clears throat> the last part of the shoot we were in Hamburg for two days. Okay, so she flew over. Sting came over. He did a little cameo in the film, which didn't actually make the film. Yeah, but he was hanging out with us for that. So you're just gone. So his wife saved the film. Yeah. And her extremely famous husband, husband 
did a cameo, cameo for you and then you went and, ah, we, and we cut it yeah. it. <laughs> it wasn't even a cameo it was like a it was like a he was like an extra in a scene in a museum in Hamburg or something like that. Anyway, blah, blah, whatever, right? But um, he, he was there because he was about to do a show in Berlin, right? So he's doing a show in Berlin. We're in Hamburg doing our thing. Uh, and by this point, I had just had, I had been drinking like 11 cups of coffee a day. I'd been smoking like 20, 30 cigarettes, drunk every night, just living in my wits, you know? <laughs> My face was puffed. I mean, I looked homeless, right? I was literally, it was a, it was a, what a terrible state I was in, yeah? And for some reason, I decided, right, we had a day off before the last two days of the shoot. I said, right, I'm going to get a massage. So not that kind of massage rub, right? But, I mean, uh, you're in Hamburg. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah, but I didn't, it was, weirdly enough, we're going to get to that point as well, right? But um, I went for a massage in the hotel, and for whatever reason, them stimulating my system was a really bad mistake, right? Because it gave me the like the most horrendous kind of heartburn and I don't know if it was stomach ulcer or what it was, right? But for two days, I was absolutely just dying with this, right? To the point where we, we traveled four hours on a bus to see Sting in concert in Berlin, Berlin, and I was lying in the center aisle of the bus, rolling back and forth, right? Just in, just in absolute agony. <laughs> Not at his music, yeah. but at the, but just, the, anyway. So we we got the last two days of the shoot done. The very last day, we were on the Reeperbahn, which is the, the, the red light district of, of Hamburg. And the place we were shooting in was a, was a brothel, right? Um, and it was a we, we shut it down for a night, and I thought to myself, right, I've done this, I've done this show for six weeks, seven weeks. I've had a brilliant time. I am not got to the rap party and not drinking, but every, like literally every sip I took of anything, it was just like my whole thing, system was going on fire, yeah. And the only thing I could find, <laughs> coming back to white Russians, right, the only thing I could find to calm my system down was white Russians, yeah. And I drank white Russians the whole night in an absolutely amazing time, right? And uh, in this brothel in, um, in 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 Hamburg with Sting and his wife and 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 everybody else, right? And yeah, that's that's amazing. that's why I chose yeah. white Russians, right? Nothing to do with so, so to sum up, drinking that line, um, yeah. drink. I pick white Russians because. I was drinking them in a brothel in Hamburg with Sting and his wife. Yeah. Is it is it is as good a reason as we've had, yeah. I think, to yeah. pick something. That's exactly what it's, it was. Yeah. I can imagine that because it is a very easy drink to drink a white Russian, isn't it? It goes right, down yeah. very well. Yeah. I'm a big fan. Dan. Yeah. But it's well, I mean I you can't talk about white Russians without talking about the big Lebowski, can you? So mm. so I wondered if that would have something to do with it, but it, but obviously Not at it all. doesn't. Not yeah. at all. Getting an insight when you said I wasn't the most healthy in my thirties. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, I was honestly, I was unbelievable. Yeah, I start, like I used to play a lot of football uh, when I was younger. So I remember you being sporty and yeah, I was yeah, yeah in my twenties and stuff. Uh, in my, uh, but in my late thirties, I think what happened is my dad died when I was like thirty three, something like that, and it had a massive effect on me. Um, and I was in a really bad place for a long time. I had I wasn't a director in films. I had I, I was still in television. I wanted to be in films. I was not happy at all, and I just you know was really unhealthy, overweight, and drunk too much for a long time. 
until I started getting into, you know, what I really wanted to do. And then I came out the back of that, you know. Um, and did it work that helped you get out the back of that? I think it was work, yeah. I think it was, I think it was thinking at the time, this is never going to happen for me. I'm never going to do the thing that I want to do. Uh, and hiding myself in, you know, booze and fried food and cigarettes and all the rest of it. And uh, and stopped playing football, stopped playing golf, stopped doing all that stuff. And then as, as work started to happen and started to put my focus in there. And I think when my dad died as well, he was only 71. It was a big realisation for me because it was like, this is going to end pretty quickly. You know, if you don't go and do something about this on your own, if you don't push yourself, this is going to end pretty quickly. Um, so that's what I did. I, I, so I put all the focus into that, you know. Um, it's interesting because I, I see you in... There's quite big gaps between yeah, us, see, each other, us yeah. seeing each other sort of thing. And because I just see the highlights, it looks like a sort of steady trajectory yeah. of... Success and and happiness, but it, it never it's is for anyone, not, is it? No, never for anybody. No, everybody's got their their story and stuff, and and uh, it certainly wasn't for me. No, definitely not. It was. It it took a long time, and uh, yeah, it was. It was really. It was really. It was really tough and stuff. But um, but I think, you know, like like working with guys like yourselves from a very early point in a career. Looking back on it was a great thing because we had so much fun back in those days, right? Even we were getting paid, what were we getting paid? Eight grand a year or something like that? Yeah, we were yeah. literally getting paid. I was on 10. You getting 10? How did that happen? I got eight when I started, but you were a year after me. Right? Yeah, they maybe put it up, but, yeah. but eight grand a year. And, and, but, That's and I kept, in central London as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the thing is, yeah. I suspect, the point, yeah. Robbie, right, is I was I was doing this telesales job, which I, I really didn't like. I wasn't good at. I didn't like it. And... Found myself, and I was making like twenty grand, twenty five grand, right? Which at the time was pretty good for a twenty four yeah. year old, twenty three, twenty four year old, right? Uh, back in that times, late nineties, and being able to live and go out and do that stuff, and then all, overnight it went from that to eight grand a year. Mm. But I was never happier getting eight grand a year because I saw that was a you know that was a starting point. Okay, I'm now even if I'm making tea for people, having that sort of like experience and working with great people and, and thinking, oh, there's a way forward here, you know? And then you get to the next bit of your career and you think that that's never going to happen and you've got to remind yourself, okay, I was like this before and, and all that stuff, you know? So it's just part of life really, right? Yeah. But you've, you've always been very determined to make things happen. Blagger, I think they call it. I was being polite. But yeah. 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 But yeah, yeah. a blagger basically, yeah. Every week, John, our beloved regular here, Dan, asks listeners for a suggestion of what our guests can put in their dream pub. Dan, who have we got today? We've got Matt today. Matt's going to have a suggestion for your pub, John. Okay. And uh, you don't have to accept it because it's your pub. Yeah, it's, it is my gonna pub. You're going to have your so very expensive good. whiskey behind the, yeah. behind the bar, <laughs> but you don't have to accept whatever Matt says. Okay. So 
It's been a mixture. A couple, couple of times they've been rejected so yep. far, but it's totally up to you. Don't feel pressured. Okay. He's yeah, used to auditioning it. people. Yeah, exactly. No problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. Let's yeah. see what Matt has to say. Hi, my name's Matt, and my suggestion would be, do you remember those touchscreen quiz machines you'd find in pubs, which you don't see so often these days? One of them. Which, they were basically just a one-armed bandit, and if they didn't want you to win, they'd ask you an impossible question. But there was one game on it called Spot It, where you just had to, like, look for objects. And me and my mates brute-forced it by having, like, 20 of us stood around this quiz machine spotting these items. And we rinsed these machines, and to the point where they stopped paying out, because there was no money left in the machine. Uh, Now I think of it, that's probably maybe why they're not in pubs anymore. But that's what I would bring back. (laughs) Okay. What, what, do we no, think, what do we think of that, John? Did you well, I, I like the first bit of it, right? When he yeah. was saying about the quiz machines and stuff, because I, I did like the old... Um... He wants to be a millionaire? Yeah, I love that. Oh, or, yeah. or else, they, what, what was Trivial Pursuits? Yeah, right? yeah. Trivial Pursuits and like that. Right? And uh, so, yeah. Have they completely so, gone now? I don't know. I, don't I, don't know. Know. I haven't I seen one. That Who is. Wants to Be a Millionaire one was good. Yeah. That was a good was, one, yeah. yeah. Uh, because you felt as though you were in a game and you were like, oh, yeah. you know. It's four, four choices. You've always got a chance. Yeah, you've got a chance, right? Uh, and you could batter the person next to you if, yeah. they, if they picked the wrong thing. But uh, so in theory, I like what he's saying. But 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 he's as he goes on his description about getting twenty lads running a machine and 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 and, and doing that and runs in the machine. I'm I'm kind of you know as as a, as a capitalist landlord, right? <laughs> I'm just gonna say, you've I'm thinking of your yeah. They better be buying a load of fucking beer like before they're doing this. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's a good. Point. Um, yeah. Wonder, so how do quiz machine? Do the pubs get the money from the quiz machines, or does it go to the I don't know how it works. They these must things. get. They must, must do. get some. That's a good point. So, what would what would be the benefit the, of them bringing the machine? Well, I, don't know, I presume otherwise. they do. I wonder. But how? What's the deal? Do they hire the machine? Do they buy the machine? Does the machine company take a cut of the profits? I don't know. It's got. Is, is, that's a really good point. Yeah. I what think, happens I there? Think they must. I'm sure they must. They must do, have yeah. some contract with them because they'll have to come and fix it and all that that sort of thing. I reckon. My guess at the business model is they lease the machines and they take the profits. I reckon. I reckon it's something like that. In which case, what you said was correct. Play on. Play on, yeah, exactly. Rock on. So uh, is that an accept? You know what? I never like saying no to people, you know, in terms of, especially with ideas and stuff like that. So I'm going to accept and just, you know, I might have to get some of my mates down from from Aberdeenshire to deal with these unruly lads. Like, you know. Can we make Uh, a side rule, though, that if, if, because the worst thing of those things is where someone you don't know comes over and goes, it's this. Oh, and you go, yeah. are you sure, mate? Are you sure? They go, yeah, 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 definitely. And you choose it and you lose. I think there should be a system that person has to pay for the thing. Yeah. If they've suggested something that's wrong, they have to... Just there was a character in the Fast Show that Simon Day used to play. Yeah, I remember, right? yeah. Where it was like, I can't remember his name. It was Billy fucking... No, at all or something. Well, I don't know oh, what it yeah. is. We used to come in a pub and they'll yeah, tell you what, yeah. mate, you don't want to do it like that. You yeah, want to do it like, yeah, you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And you, you want to, like, that kind of person, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, let's just accept it. Stick okay. it in the corner. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. It could, it's a. Te- it's on a trial basis. Okay. It's okay. On a trial, trial basis. basis. Yeah. That's fair. Okay, it's in. Great. Thank you, Matt. Your thing is accepted, albeit on a trial basis. If you've got a suggestion for something that could go into a future pub, you can email me, Robbie at Moon Under Pod, with your dream, and we will suggest it to a future guest. Time now for the pub jukebox. You get to pick one CD or mini disc. I will allow mini discs. Okay. Um, to go into the jukebox for everyone An album? to enjoy. An album. An album. Okay. I don't know if you've had this one before. I've got a backup if you haven't if you haven't had it. Okay. But I'd pick um, the Stone Roses. The Stone Roses. 
great choice. We have not had it. You haven't had it in the Premier League era of, no. of me and Dan being here. We've not had it. No. Okay. So uh, I uh, that I would pick up because that's that was it was such a big album for me. I was just learning to drive. You know, picking up these girls in a car and do, doing all you did at that age because there was nothing else to do in the northeast of Scotland in a small fishing town. You know. Well, that and age for me, it certainly wasn't picking up girls. It was sat in my bedroom. But, uh. <laughs> right. Well, it was, It was. I don't know, it was, It was. that, that was the album that we used to play, t- driving around the same circuit time and time and time again, getting chips and curry sauce from Wong's Garden, uh, you know, <laughs> and and it just reminds me of that. But also, uh, the, one of the only cool things I ever did as a, as, as a late teen was to go to, I got a ticket for Spike Island, which was a big you know, music sort of festival or a concert that the Stone Roses played um, in, in Witness, I think it was, it was definitely beside Liverpool. I can't remember. I think it was Witness. And anyway, that, that, that it was, you know, I felt so cool being somebody coming from up there, you know, like a fishing town who had a ticket for this and meeting all these new people and blah, blah, blah. Um and that album really was the, the was the one that I kind of go back to is when when I when I'm when I think I'm being like Charlie Big Spuds, you know, and I think I'm I'm way cooler than the am, which I'm not cool at all. But that would be the album that I'd play would because it reminds me of being a confident teenager. Spike Island's that sort of definitive gig of that era, isn't it? Was. it? What was it like? And it was terrible. Was it? Yeah, it was I've a terrible. I've had other people say it before. It was a yeah. terrible gig, right? Because Ian Brown can't sing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, he's he, never been. The greatest. Not so I'm saying yeah. it, it, but it was it was terrible because it was like you you saw all over a place. But it was it, look it was the music itself was terrible, right? But the experience was absolutely off the charts, and there was like all the famous DJs that I remember, Carl Cox and a few of these guys being there as well. And but you just felt as though you were at something that was it was very kind of cool. Yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't a terrible terrible. It was a fucking amazing experience, but. Just the thing I always remember was how bad Ian Brown was, you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> they're, they're a wonderful band, and I think it's a, a, a lot of people will be very happy there with. Yeah, no, with, Brett, they're my favourite band. Choice. You know, favourite band as long as they're in a the studio. <laughs> my um, Manny uh, for the Stone Roses used to come on quite a lot of soccer course, yeah. AM, and we go to the pub afterwards with him um, after the show, and we drink with him. I remember it was like. I think it would have been November, late November time. I was sat there drinking. Well, we, for some reason, we got onto the subject of Christmas lights. All right. And not the lights that like the council put on, but the lights on individual houses that people have. And he was saying, and I was saying there's a street on the Isle of Sheppey where I grew up that had these amazing lights. He's going, ah, these ones in Manchester are going to be better. I'm going, well, you're wrong. We're having like a, a lighthearted <laughs> argument about it. And I sort of left that day, um, forgot about it. Christmas Eve, I was walking down to the my local pub um just for a few like christmas eve drinks and i got te- my phone buzz picked up and it was manny with loads of pictures of houses in manchester <laughs> and it said um check out these beauties merry mythmas love manny so Brilliant. i, 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 I love the manny uh, so much i love the stone roses i love that manny for the stone roses is going around taking photos of houses yeah. sent to me it's so obviously i'm like uh, I've got to do a deal to her, lads. I'll be, I'll be half an hour late. So I went yeah. around and sent some photos, took some photos to send back. Got to the pub, um, and I was on Soccer AM at the time, so people sort of knew I was doing things yeah, on yeah. TV, sort of things. So it was a bit of an unusual job there, sort of yeah. thing. But still, 
I was, I was really excited that that Maddie sent these messages. So I sort of um, was sort of sat around sort of around the pool table, just playing pool, and everyone had just sort of gone to either the bar or the toilet. I was on my own. And the phone rang, and I, I said, "Manny, going, um, those are shit. What are you talking about? Berating me on Christmas Eve, brilliant in the local pub. That's like genius. this, but I look and there's no one around because I wanted to go. Goes, yeah. hello, Manny yeah. from the oh, Stone hold Roses, on, hold calling on, put me, for him, mate. Yeah. <laughs> calling me on Christmas Eve, yeah. like we're best mates, sort of thing like that. There's literally no one else there. I got off the phone, and then everyone oh, came really? back, like." I just won't say anything because no one's going to believe me. That is brilliant. I love yeah. that. Like Great choice. Great album. Very, very happy. Favourite track on there? Sally Cinnamon. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, Sally Cinnamon. Yeah, made of stone. All right. Okay. Calm down. <laughs> we've all, we've all had a, we've had a red stripe. Yeah. John, you've had um, you've directed films where actors are, well, films come to spring to mind where actors are, are abusing substances and yeah. booze and stuff like that. What are the difficulties in directing actors around drinking? Because I think when I've seen things, there are a lot of occasions, not in your work, but in general, where you will look at an actor and think, that is not what I've ever seen anyone drunk look like. Right. It feels okay. quite a hard thing to do. Do you know what I mean? What, as an actor? Well, as an actor, yeah. But is, uh, how, do you, how yeah, do you deal I mean, with that? I think, it's, I think it's very difficult as a, a director to tell somebody how to be drunk, right? I had it recently, actually, a film that's not come out yet, the one I was telling you about with Brian Cranston, uh, where there's a kid who's supposed to be acting drunk um, and he's never had a drink before, right? This kid has never had a drink. He's 18 years old, never had a drink. Um, and surprisingly did a did an incredible job you know he, he really studied people who were drunk and he did that and and I think it's about I don't think you can direct him on the day and just leave it till on the day and go right you got to do this and almost like do an impression of somebody being drunk yeah. right I think you have to you have to in a situation like that if it's a younger person or if it's someone who's not had a lot of experience with it you've got to make sure that they're doing the research before, you know, you've got to make sure that they're rehearsing with it. You're, they're, 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 you know, especially looking at other actors who are portraying drunk, like, so you put them onto um, Richard E. Grant or someone like that, you know, and with Neil mm-hmm. and I, or, or, I mean, take your pick, yeah. Look at any of Oliver Reed's interviews on Parkinson, or, yeah. or, you know, stuff yeah. like that, you know. Um go into a bar and just watch people just getting smashed. But I think that's the key. It, it, it's practicing. If if they have not done that before. And, but I mean, somebody like McAvoy, he's obviously, you know, he's, he's, he's been in that situation before. So he he knows what it feels like. He knows yeah. how to rip it. It's like a memory muscle, I think it is. Yeah. If you've been there before, it, it's it's fine. And some people are so good. Like I think Richard E. Grant, I, I, I believe he was, not a, he, he was not a drinker at all. He'd never been drunk bef- before he did that show. Right. And, and, you know, he's very convincing. So some people need it, some people don't. You just have to make sure they're prepared. It's like being a football manager. You make sure that they're, you know, that the squad's fit before they go out. And that's it. That's, that's the analogy, you know. My first post-divorce pint. The gin I had in Hull. My nan's homemade buckfast. The rum I drank with Liz Hurley. The lager I stole from the pigeon detectives. Time now for a drinking time, John, where mm-hmm. the moon underwater, not only will it magically create your own pub, it will transport you back through the very immediate time to an occasion from your past that was 
surrounded by a drink and you can relive that moment <laughs> with a few drink. of those already yeah, right? with the drink you had yeah. with them but yeah exactly if you've got yeah. any left yeah where yeah. would you like to go back i've got to? a cracker so promoting filth in japan yeah uh never been to japan never flown uh, anything other than the economy before right because it's a studio you know pay them for it put you in first class it was virgin upper class right which is which is Unknown to me at the time, a lot of fun. <laughs> um, so first time ever in an airport lounge, I went uh, with Irvin Welsh, who, is, who wrote the, the novel that Filth was uh, based on, because he's obviously well, far more well-known than myself. And he's got a big following in Japan. So he's right, he's going to come to Japan, we're going to do the thing. So I, so I thought, right, okay, we land in the Virgin Lounge at Heathrow at 12 o'clock. And I thought, right, we're going to get absolutely torn right into this, Yeah. <laughs> And Irvin, who I've had so many amazing nights out with and who obviously has had such a colourful past and he's just, he'd be a great for this podcast, by the way. We'll have to get him on it. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, so he said, no, don't drink. It'll just ruin your flight and it'll ruin, like the jet lag will be horrible, but horrendous, right? I said, you're kidding me. He said, no, no, no. He said, trust me. And I thought, to myself, well, this guy knows what he's talking about. You know, he's travelled the world. He's been there. He's, you know, he's tried a lot of things. Yeah. Okay, I'll go with it. But, you know, tail between my legs, not really sort of loving this at all because, you know, you're in this environment you've never been before. Gets onto the plane, turns left, amazing experience. Walk, but anybody who's not been in Virgin Upper Class, there is a sit-down bar, right? It's a little sit-down bar, you can sit down. So we walk, and I'm looking at this thing as I walk past, like the yeah. like the prize cow going, <laughs> oh my God, right? This is amazing. <laughs> he gets their seats and it's the it's the fold-down fold beds and... and so we're sitting there and, and we're about to take off. It's a 12-hour flight with a nine-hour time difference. Just, you know. So we're sitting there and Irvin's sitting next to me in the, in the pod next to me and the flight takes off and it's half an hour in and he could see that I'm, you know, that I'm not really... So, but I'm taking his advice because I'm looking at him as like somebody who I really admire, really trust, and I'm like, trust your advice on this. So I'm going to go with whatever you say. So he looks over, half an hour in, we're watching some film, and he taps and he says, I'll tell you what, he says, just to say that you've done it, right, we'll go up to the we'll go up to the bar and we'll have a drink, right? Okay, no problem, right? So we went up to this thing, 12 hours into the flight. Sorry, a half an hour into the flight. And we came back to our seats with 10 minutes before landing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right? okay. And we had done eight or nine bottles of red wine. Yeah, don't ask me what it was. Don't ask me which, what, 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 what red wine it was. Oh my god! We did eight or nine bottles of red wine. Right, we were so gone. It was unreal. Right, and they were like, they were threatening to stop serving us. We we're like, we're too late because we're about to land. And we were in Japan. <laughs> wow. We were in Japan for we were in Japan for five days. We were in Japan for five days and literally were so scared to stop topping up every few hours, yeah, that we that we kept on going through for us five days. And ask Irvin if you get him on a podcast, he'll verify it. We, just, we had the best time. And the, and the promoter for the, the Japanese distributor was so excited that we were drunk all the time because it was like filth and it was, that was the, the whole thing, right? That was it. like, be as bad as you can be, you know, be as like drunk as you can be on Japanese. We were going to Japanese TV and radio just absolutely smashed yeah and uh we had the best time and it all came from that little okay we'll do one we'll do one drink and it turned into just absolute madness yeah um but it was red wine and that's why 
That's why that's I'm going to choose red wine for us. And red, I'm sorry, have without any Welsh well, and, a, and a first class yeah, and a Virgin I mean, flight to Japan. Yeah. That's hard to beat. Yeah, it was. It's. 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 I love telling that story because it never. Nobody ever goes. Oh, oh God! You know, shut. The, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's. It's just. I don't know. It's. A, it's. A, it's. A, it was. A, it was a lovely experience. I have to say, it was a it's lovely. All, experience. But I think it's because experience that everyone would probably want to. Have one to do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was mad, and it was with him as well. And everybody thinks he's he's a madman, and he's not a madman. He's a he's a, you know, he's he's a he's a fabulous guy and uh, great company, a great storyteller. I know you had John Niven on here as well, very much like John in that respect, you know. And um, yeah, I, I I yeah, just red wine is the one in time. Yeah, really, okay. red wine, and the location is the flight. Wonderful. That sounds like a terrific. Terrific session. Yep. Right, now it's time for us to find out John's dream pub companion. That is only for those of you who have purchased the Moon Underwater Patreon. If you want to join, you can subscribe at moonunderpod.com and get yourself ad-free extended episodes a day earlier, a monthly bonus podcast, and access to the Moon Underwater Social Club on Facebook. For the rest of you, we'll be back after this short interlude. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps to Detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Welcome back to the non-Patreon people. Lovely answer there from John for his dream pub companion. You are barred. John, now it's time for you to decide something you don't want in your pub. You can bar something from your version of the moon underwater. What's it going to be? It's going to be half pint glasses. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. go on. It's going to be half pint glasses. I just don't like them. <laughs> just don't fucking like them, you know. You know, All kinds, straight and. I just with don't a little... like him. I just don't yeah. like him. I think like if you're gonna have a half pint, just put it in a just 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 put it in a bigger glass. I just so you're about not half... objecting to someone having half no, a pint. No, no, no. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. I don't want to get cancelled. Right? Yeah, there will be. I first of all, I was like, oh come on, John. No, but I am hundred percent on your side because I know <laughs> if I've had a pint, 
of, of a beer or something, and I'm going to go and think, well, I've got time for half a pint. Yeah. I'll have a half, and I'll pour it straight yeah. into it's the big glass. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, not going to yeah, sit yeah, there yeah. with my tiny pint, and I know time. it's probably me being pathetic of that, but I yeah. am, yeah. I just don't like a look at them. I just don't like a look at them. I just, it's something about them kind of freaks me out a bit, you know? Yeah. Um, and um, Not even this, the, the sort of... I, I, I quite like the uh, half pint mug glass. Oh, the it's dimple like, mugs. They're quite cute. The yeah. dimple mugs are, 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 they may sneak in as a special feature, okay. right? So you can feel like a giant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I got massive hands. Yeah. But no, the dimple mugs, and, and I'm going to get on to dimple mugs in a second as well, one of the other answers. But dimple mugs have got a, definitely a penchant for, you know what I mean? They're, 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 there's something about them. Yeah. It's just like the the, the, the the regular ones. There's something about I don't re- I don't really like. It's an aesthetic thing. It's not a cultural thing. It's an aesthetic thing. Yeah, but I don't mind a third glasses. If you're going to like, if you go to like a craft beer place and they give you like loads of third, or like a tester, like those, I don't mind that. But for yeah. some reason, it's that half pint is in the sort of. I was in okay talking of talking of that right. I was in uh, Waterloo Station. There's a massive brew dog being opened in Waterloo yeah. Station. It's the biggest pub in the country, I believe. So, so the so the guys from Brewdog are from the same town as me, back yep. in like a tiny little place in Scotland, yeah. And uh, they've done who, who just produce beer people or film directors. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Everybody yeah, from there that's is, is that's what they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you'll meet um, up at University Challenge once yeah, a year. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> this is not as complimentary about Brewdog. I do like Brewdog, but but talking about the you know, the, the half pint, third pint thing. I went in and, you know, they've got the menus up in the big sort of, someone looks like an American diner sort of uh, menu above the bar. So it's like, well, give me give me a pint of the, the cloudy, whatever it was, right? And it was like £6.50, right? For, for us cloudy, whatever the name of it is. And they said, um, so we're, we're only allowed to sell us in half pints. What? I says, What? He says, we're only allowed to sell it in half pints. I says, why? He says, oh, because it's like 6.4% or something. I said, I'll tell you what, give me two fucking half pints then. Right? Have a glass. Give me two fucking half pints. And the two half pints was, were 13 quid, right, in Waterloo Station. Oh, that was £6.50 for the half. £6.50 yeah. for a half, right? And I was like, whoa, come on. It's got to be yeah, very come good. Come on. Come on. Anyway, um... What's the point of the story? The point of the story was they gave me these two fucking half pint glasses, yeah? And it was round about the time where you guys had asked me to come on to this. Um, and that kind of, that sealed the deal with That's the half pints. I was yeah, like, get them, out, get them out of here. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you on board with that, Dan? Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. I think. I, I, I feel uncomfortable holding the half, a half pint. It's the traditional beer. one. It's the one that looks like a big pint that's been shrunk. Yes. Do you know what we should do, right? Yeah. We should go for a pint after this, but we should all order two half pints, right? <laughs> and have one on the left and one on the right hand and just yeah. alternate between yeah. the two, yeah. like some mad psychopath, <laughs> right? Okay. okay, yeah. Okay. All right, I mean, I'm in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Drink up, please. It's time. Right, John, before we name your pub, if people have enjoyed uh, hearing you chat and want to find out some more of your work and follow you and learn more about your career, what would you recommend they start with? I'd recommend to start with a couple of pints first before you watch any of my films, <laughs> just going by what I've said. Uh, no, I would say start with, start with, just go in order. Start with, start with cast, then go to filth, 
then go to Stan and Ollie, then go to Tetris, uh, and then wait for the new one that's coming out. Can, can you tell us the name of the new one? It's called Everything's Going to Be Great. Okay. The thing about my films is my films are wildly different from each other, right? Filth is so different from Stan and Ollie, which is so different from Tetris, right? Which, again, is so different from this new one, which when the next one, even after this, is going to be, again, wildly different. And And so it's not like, oh, well... This is the kind of films he makes. Go and watch him. It's like some people are going to like one and going to absolutely hate the other one, you know. So you're going to have to just do a little bit of research and watch see. all of them and see which ones you yeah, don't like. see which ones yeah, you yeah, like, yeah, see which yeah. ones you don't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, terrific. And if they want to follow you, are you on the social media? I'm on. I'm on Twitter. Yeah, I'm on uh, uh, at John S. Baird, but um, I don't post as much as I did because I was very, I was very sort of like outspoken and political, and I got myself in a bit of trouble. <laughs> Uh, so I kind of tend not to, I had a break from social media and I sort of deleted my Facebook and stuff but I'm still around on Twitter if people want to sort of say hi and stuff yeah I've never um, actually asked you I presume the S in the John S. Baird is because there was already a John Baird no no you just yeah I think you. no there was a John Baird yeah but the, the S is, stands for Summers and Summers was my grandmother's maiden name and she was like a massive influence on my on my life because she was a she was a widow at 45 years old, but she ended up getting presented with the MBE and she was a local councillor and she was just a total ball buster in this, in this community that was a fishing community and she ended up meeting all these politicians and being, she just didn't give a fuck, you know, in terms of who you were. And she used to, used to say to me, don't be intimidated by people because of their accent or which school they went to or, you know, any of that stuff. And she gave me a lot of self-confidence in terms of, you know, moving down to London from a place like that and being confident enough to, you know, to 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 believe in yourself regardless of how you sounded or 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 which, you know, if you'd been in university challenge or <laughs> you know <what> I mean. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but anyway, the S is for summers, and 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 I just wanted to. That's kind of like my stage name, John S. Bear. I don't use it in in everyday life, but I use it for that because because of her and she died when I was young younger. And I just wanted to carry a bit of hair with me, yeah. So that's what it stands for. Lovely. That's nice. What are we going to call the pub, John? We're going to call it the Fit Like. The, the Fit Like? Fit Like, yeah. Why is that? So so in Aberdeenshire, where I'm from, <laughs> why is that, you fucking muppet? <laughs> uh, so the, the so Fit, F-I-T, and then Like, L-I-K-E, and then question mark, yeah? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So... Where I'm from in the northeast of Scotland, we speak a dialect called Doric, yeah, and it's and it's unique to the northeast of Scotland, um, and it has its own kind of vocabulary uh, based on Old Scots and, and English as well. But there's a lot of words that you just would be absolutely I have no idea what that fucking means. Like you guys would, you know, if you heard me speaking it. And uh, fit like is a phrase in, in Doric, which means how are you. It's a very sort of but it's a very friendly term, right? For like, you know, and you, you know, for like, and it was just, it would be one of these things that I would want it to convey a message of everybody's welcome in this pub, you know, and everybody would have that greeting as they come through the door, regardless of color or sex or, you know, sexuality or whatever it was like, everybody would be, would be greeted with a fit like the same thing regardless of who you are, you know. So anybody who doesn't know what Doric is, look it up. It's a very peculiar dialect and it's dying out, unfortunately, in the northeast of Scotland. 
but it's something that I still speak. It's it's a dialect I still speak to my mom and my sister and when I when I phone them and stuff. So, like you would say, for example, far are you going today? Right, far are you going? Meaning, where are you where are you going? Yeah. Okay. Or fit fit your day in. Fit your day in is like, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. So is you know you would say like for example your 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 seamit right, which is your t-shirt. Oh, I like your seamit right. Yeah. Or your sark. I like your sark. Or your sark tail. Your sark tails are hanging out, right? Your sark tails are hanging out means your shirt is untucked at the back. Okay. Yeah? Okay. So anyway, it, it's 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 a it's a dialect that, that that is very close to me. It reminds me of being at home. But that phrase "fit like" is 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 inclusive, and it's and it's how I would like to run my pub. You know. That's lovely. I, I love, love it. where everyone's welcome. Yeah. Unless yeah. they want a half pint glass. Unless yeah, they want yeah. half pint glass, they can fuck right <laughs> off. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> That's fabulous, John. Thank you so much for coming to join us in the Moon Underwater. It's time for you to return home. Dan, what is John taking with him in his dream pub? Let's have a quick run through the draft. Uh, Guilt Complex IPA and Guinness on draft. He chose Magnum bottles of Laurent Perrier and cans of Red Stripe. Yeah, <laughs> fine mix. Lovely. Uh, spirits, Lagavulin, 30-year-old cast-strength whiskey and White Russians. Lovely choice. You accepted listener Matt's suggestion of a some sort of touchscreen touch quiz machine, but on a trial basis. Your jukebox choice was uh, Stone Rose's first album. Drinking time was uh, quite a lot of red wine on Virgin Upper Class with uh, Irvin Welsh. You have barred half pint glasses from your pub, but not half pints, just mm. half pint glasses. Mm-hmm. And you're calling the pub the fit like for the question mark. That's right. Thanks, John. How do I say goodbye in Doric? Uh, cheerio. Cheerio. <laughs> cheerio. God, it's so cheerio. nice learning about other cultures. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 